church. Does that sound good to you guys? Now this is church. Just say it with me. Now this is church. And we're going to start with some testimonies as we're returning from our Mexico trip. Wanted to let you in on some of the amazing things God did for us. So we're going to invite them out and uh, just share one by one. And uh, let's hear it for Brian and Jenny as they come to share with us. So on the first day of the Mexico trip and on our first outreach, um, we had finished with um, the drama and the dance, and Joel was giving um, a brief synopsis of the gospel and inviting people to come forward, and there was a man walking by on crutches, and Joel singled him out and pointed to him in the crowd and said, you on the crutches, we want to pray for you to get healed. And so Brian and I were right next to him, and so we approached him and asked him if we could pray for God to heal him, and he said yes, and he told us that he had broken um, both of his feet. And so we laid hands on him and prayed for him, and it took four times asking for healing, and the pain decreased each time until finally it left him completely. Wow. Um, and so, yeah. Did and you guys hear that? Um, and then um, he had told us that he felt he was not a believer, and he told us that he felt heat in his body and especially on his feet, and we explained to him that that was the Holy Spirit um, healing him and moving in his body and we um, asked him if he wanted to come to know the Lord, and we took him through the track. And um, he said yes and became a believer and said that he wanted wow. to start going to church in the Tijuana campus. Okay, did you, did, you, did you get that? So one of the reasons why we love seeing God move in extraordinary ways and signs and wonders is it opens people's eyes to go, God is real. So this guy comes in on crutches, broken feet, in a lot of pain, Pain goes away, and what happens? He gives his life to Jesus. That's something to celebrate. So, so the next day uh, at another outreach that we did, um, it's kind of the same, same thing. Uh, we, we gave the gospel message and opportunity for people to respond, and there was a guy that raised his hand uh, standing right next to us, so we went to pray for him, and he wanted to, he, we took him through the track, and he gave his life to Jesus, and then I asked him, is there any sickness or pain in your body that we can pray for? And he started crying and was holding heart. And he started also somebody had tried to kill him within the last three weeks. And he was staying in the hotel that was right across the street from the plaza where we were doing our outreach. And when he was in his room there, he felt this urge that he needed to come out and stand and go in the plaza. He didn't even know why. Um, and on his way down, he he came across um, a few witches that he was associated with, and they said, if you go in that plaza right now, we will kill you. And he went anyways, and he stood in the, in the plaza right when we were doing our outreach, and that's why he, he gave his life to the Lord. And so it was a really powerful experience for him, and he also was excited to go to church at our Tijuana church. So. Come on. Sounds, sounds like an Old Testament story with witches trying to kill him and... Amazing what God is doing. Praise God. Me too. Wow. All right, so Jesus was healing and touching people in TJ. Yeah, and um, we went to this uh, park in downtown TJ, and they had this plaza, uh, so we did drama. And Kendall did an altar call, and then afterwards he said, um, if there's anyone here with drug in your pocket, and if you want to overcome drug addiction, come to, come to front. And so this one man came to the front and towards me. So um, 
So he's responding to this word that Kendall has a sort of knowledge. If you have drugs in your pocket, someone steps forward saying, that's me. Exactly, yeah. So um, he comes up to me and says, um, I have drugs in my pocket. I want to get over this drug addiction. So I, I said, I'll, I'll go ahead and pray for you. I lay hands on him, and then he just falls backward. And Did you push him? No, no, I just <laughs> lightly touched his stomach. And then if he was like 10. And yeah, he was. Who'd never seen anything like this? And this guy was just leaning on him, and I asked him, "So yeah, um, how's your pain?" And he said, "Nada. There's no more pain." Praise God. Um, and yeah, he was just feeling the presence of God, and and uh, I was just praise. Uh, I was in, I was just uh, praising God for healing, and he was like, "I want you to keep praying for me. It feels great." So <laughs> I was like, "All right." Lay hands on him, and he said, uh, I want to get over a drug addiction. So I, pr- I was praying for him. And as I was praying for him, he was keep going backwards. So it looked like we were dancing salsa or something. <laughs> we, said, we were just going back, like, like <laughs> back to the stage. And, yeah, but he was um, just feeling the presence. At the end of the prayer, he, he felt something leave. He was like, whoa. And um, he said, the spirit of fear... Amen has left him. So, um, yeah, we went through the track, and he um, decided to come to church and sign. Um, yeah, he decided to come to church. So, yeah, praise God. Praise God. <laughs> Hold on a second. The, the great thing is we're not just doing this in Mexico. Each week, Mitsu leads some different outreaches. He's really gifted in this and equipping the, our church to do this. Mitsu, tell us, tell us when you could, they could join you on your different outreaches, the teams you lead. So there are two outreaches um, I lead every, every week. And Tuesday night, um, SDSU outreach at 6 p.m. We meet at Faith Presbyterian Church and do like little worship and equipping time for half an hour. And, and then we go um, disperse to SDSU for an hour and a half. Um, Thursday, 4.30, we meet at Vaughn's Shopping Center uh, just down the street, College and Alcohol. And then um, we just, yeah, share the gospel and um, prophesy over people, pray for healing, and people's has, have been, um, yeah, all kind of good stuff. So if you're interested, uh, you can just send me email. Well, right here or, on the oh, back yeah. of the oh. card, on the give it away card of the first box is Night Strike Outreach. So if you're interested, just sign up there. We'll get you. Great. Thanks, yeah. me too. Hey, everyone. I'm JC. I'm on staff here at All Peoples. Uh, Does all the amazing media, videos. It's a privilege. Yeah, privilege. Uh, you know, in this season of my life, you know, I, I've been wanting God to speak to me in different ways. And you always hear different people uh, saying that God speaks to them in dreams. You read about it in the Bible. So I'm thinking, God, uh, I, I get this dream, and there are these three teenagers in this dream. The older one uh, is, is hearing the gospel being shared to him. There are different people on, on this team that I have no idea where we're at. This older one decides to walk away, so I'm thinking, oh, you know, go figure. He's going to walk away. I knew it. And then these other two teenagers stick around, and then they accept Jesus. But this is all in a dream. This is all in a dream. This is all in a dream. They accept Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, and then the other one ends up coming back. Well, I get the privilege of gathering all the footage and running around with my camera, capturing these beautiful miracles that God is doing in people's lives. And I actually saw this all happen at one of our outreaches. And so I actually have uh, footage 
that we're going to share here on the screen. If Tiffany can find it right quick. So that is Chris. He was in my dream. These are the two teenage boys, and then this guy on the left, on the right side, on your right, right. side, is the teenage guy that was a hawk, just trying to gather all this footage. Like this is amazing that God has shown me a dream, and these guys speak perfectly good English, as also in my dream. And so we were in Mexico in my dream. It all unfolded. Did they right come there. to know the Lord? They did. They accepted Jesus wow. Christ as the Lord and Savior. Yeah. That's amazing for that because. Bible, so call you Daniel from now on. Just kidding. Uh, I'm Stephen, and uh, I was I had the privilege of uh, serving on Team Santo, which was so awesome. Um, we were at Las Playas doing a little work project. We were um, the specific team with. We were of a wall, and um, <clears throat> I just felt like not really many people were in the mindset of like leading someone to Christ or sharing the gospel. And uh, I just prayed to myself, I was like, God, can we lead someone to you? Can we lead someone to Christ right now? So this, during, this isn't during an outreach. This is no, during we're, we're just, we're just working. We're just okay. serving the community. And uh, less than two minutes after I prayed, a man walks up to me, um, speaking broken English, said, uh, I'm doing nothing with my life. Can I help you? <laughs> if that's not a sign, I don't know what it is. It's a perfect group to walk up <laughs> and, and say that to. Started paying. I was like, uh, sweet. yeah. Free labor. I, I handed him. <laughs> yes. And uh, about 10 minutes go by, and um, a girl on my team started sharing with him, and he started opening up. I stepped over and joined him. I started sharing with him about my life and the things I had gone through, and he really, really connected with me. Um, like, the whole entire time I was talking to him, his jaw was just dropped, so just, like, in such awe. And um, he was telling me, he's like, I've, I've done, I did things last night that I shouldn't have done. And I said, I did things today I shouldn't have done. We're all sinners, and God brings us out of that. And um, I said, do you want to accept Jesus? And he was so hungry. He gave his life to Christ. He started sharing with me about the way he had treated his ex-wife and his daughter. And um, he told me right before he left he said, I have a long drive to make. I need to go make it up to my ex-wife and my daughter. Awesome. And um, it was very powerful. And God Come on, bro. How's it going? Uh, my name is Mike. So this was my first Mexico trip, and yeah, it changed my life completely, um, if you guys haven't noticed. But pretty much, um, for, I, I asked a lot of people, it's like, what do, you, what do you gain out of this Mexico trip? And a lot of people, have, you know, one thing that stuck with them was identity. And for the past month, I've been, I've been battling with my identity. Like, I've been, you know, it was, it was a painful month. It was, you know, I was being broken down slowly by God. And, you know, sometimes I learned that he'll bring pain to your life to get your attention. And um, that's what he did. You know, he got my attention. And, and in Mexico, I just felt my body, it, I just felt so emotionally just being broken. And um, Sunday, he laid the hammer down on me, pretty much. Um, I was with Robert on Sunday morning. Wait, we, don't bring me into this. Oh, and I went up, <laughs> hey, Robert, you know, like, I know God wants me to do something. He wants to reveal something to me, and, and I can just feel it. And me and Robert said, okay, let's pray. So as we're praying, happened to there, we're praying, and all of a sudden, and I'm like, okay, cool, let's, let's do it. And Robert calls more people around me, and we start praying, and, and at that moment, I just felt like this soft voice saying, like, Mike, you straight away, I love you, and I just need you 
to just receive what I'm about to reveal to you. And I, from that moment on, I just lost it. I just, I didn't even remember. I just, I just remember just falling, crying, and just like God just revealing and seeing this vision of him just stripping me of that identity that I made for myself, you know, which was just being a strong man, showing no emotions, just that macho man persona. I just felt him just stripping me away from that and just revealing to me like, no, you are a man that is supposed to love is supposed to show compassion and show your emotions, happy, be a man of God. My hands up and him and thing in life take with me and, and I just think I'm always happy now. And this trip, I found my identity and that's what I'll always carry with me from this trip. Praise God. Okay. You know, it's, it's amazing that God's not just doing stuff through us, but God is doing stuff in us. I have a friend that's gone around the world sharing the gospel and I love what he says. He says, God's more interested in winning all of your heart than winning the whole world through you. That's how much God loves us. And so it's so powerful to hear Mike's story. But I was also loving watching Mike just go boldly up and share just a few weeks ago. He was kind of too cool for school up here in the back row. And now he's just ah, going for Jesus. So, hey, if you have a Bible... Turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, we're talking about, now this is church. I just have a few minutes to unpack this. The incredible testimonies should be normal with the people of God. This shouldn't be something uncommon. But if you were to ask me as a child to describe church, I would have given you a very different definition. I probably would have quoted to you a little sing-song mantra that we spoke as children. I learned it in Sunday school. It kind of goes like this. If you look at my hands, we said, this is the church. Actually, we did it in little kid voices. This is the church. This is the steeple. Open it up, and there are all the people. Isn't that cute? I don't know if anyone else did that, but it was a little, it's cute. It's totally theologically inaccurate. I wish I would have told my Sunday school teachers that back then. That is theologically inaccurate. And why? why? Well, maybe, maybe I can illustrate it through a seminar I was in where a presenter asked a bunch of missionaries and pastors a seemingly simple question, but obviously uncommon. He asked this question, from Scripture, from the New Testament, who was the first founder of a church? Who was the first church planter? It was interesting to watch these missionaries and pastors answer. The first hands that went up, it was Paul. Paul going from city to city in the book of Acts, starting churches. And someone else said, no, it's, it's Peter. Jesus actually talks to him. And, and, and so he's the first to stand up in Acts chapter 2 after Pentecost to proclaim the gospel where many people come to the Lord. Then others said, no, it's James. He led the church in Jerusalem. I even heard one person say, Mary? <laughs> I don't know where they got that, but the, the answers were all over the place, and then the presenter said this, the first church planner was Jesus. Jesus started the first church, and when he said this, my paradigms were, were being turned upside down because I'm thinking, no, Jesus didn't have a church. Jesus had some disciples, but they were walking around and, and, and doing different components of Wait a second, they're doing different components of New Testament worship. And, you know, the amazing thing is Jesus actually led the first church. And we don't see it that way because we've gotten so into this 
boxed-in American mentality that church is a building. We say, I'm going to go to church, and we expect to come to a building where there's either a band, if you're a contemporary church, or a orchestra, or a pipe organ, if you're a traditional church, the pastor stands behind a pulpit, there's going to be some bulletins, and offering plate passed, and then I have gone to church. I think in order to really understand what church is supposed to be, we have to go back to the original word found in the Greek. In Matthew 16, 18, Jesus says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And in fact, over a hundred more times, Greek will see the word. And that Greek word is this. That Greek word is ekklesia. Ecclesia. Now, ecclesia is ek. The second is kaleo. Kaleo in Greek is to call. Ek is out. We think oftentimes as the church, of the church as a building, we're driving down the street, we see uh, a stone building with different stained glass windows, perhaps a steeple on top, and we say, there's the church. When Jesus said, I will build my church, he was saying, I will build my ecclesia, my called out ones. The church are the called out ones. The church is a people who have been called. He was living in a time of Greek culture, and the Greeks had an ecclesia. It was a political assembly of people. They were called out by a trumpeter. So someone would come into the square and go, and all the people would then know that they were supposed to assemble together. And actually, in Greek culture, this was the, the most powerful body to shape culture. Let me just say that again. In Greek times, this was the most powerful body to make decisions to shape culture. So when Jesus said, I will build my church, he wasn't saying, I'm going to construct a building with my own hands. In fact, you might remember where Jesus says, I'm going to, it took 46 years to build this huge temple in Jerusalem because you've got to understand that the followers of God, their whole focus was on a building. And Jesus was saying, no, the temple is now my body. And my church is now my people that are living stones put together in order to transform culture. This is what the church is. We need this kind of definition of church in our minds. Now, the interesting thing is the word for church that we use in English, church. Well, where did we get church from Ecclesia? We actually took it from another word that then was a Scottish derivative, and then we get from uh, kirke to church. But here's the interesting thing for me, a little ironic, maybe a little prophetic for us at All People's Church. If you look at the word church in Spanish, it's very similar to ecclesia. It's what? Ooh, you guys are so smart. Que inteligente. Much more similar. It's a cognate from ecclesia, iglesia, the called out ones. And here's the interesting thing for me that's somewhat 
prophetic. I've found that many of our church, many of our people, when they go down to Mexico on this trip for the first time, they see the New Testament church like they've never seen it before. Why? Well, I want to give you an explanation, and it's a little equation that we've come up with. So, you're in uh, the classroom break of Dr. Herbert today. This is what I think the church is. L10 plus A2 equals R7. If you're taking notes, you can write L10 plus A2 equals R7. Now, what is this? We're going to start with L10 right here. If you turn with me to Luke chapter 10, L10 stands for Luke chapter 10. Now, here's something that's very interesting that might be a little contrary to what many people think. It says this. This is the life of Jesus. This is Jesus with his people. And it says this. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place he was about to go. Now here's something that might be a little eye-opening. We always think of Jesus with his 12 disciples. Matthew, Mark, Simon, John, Andrew, Bartholomew, Thaddeus, Judas. We think of him just walking around with these 12. Did you know that Jesus had a much larger gathering? And so here are 72 followers that are with him, and he actually isn't just empowering the 12 disciples who he deems 12 apostles. He actually sends out these 72. It's almost the exact same size as the Mexico big team. Santo and Gloria and Vito and Fuego. Oh, dear. We, uh, there's a group of 72 that he's sending out. What's he doing? He's sending them out to every place he's about to go. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to visit these places. You're just going before me as a herald. You're going before me as a messenger to tell about my goodness, about my kingdom. Keep listening. He told them, the harvest is plentiful. Can you say that with me? The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. This is what I found Looking at scripture, it says the harvest is plentiful. Jesus says the harvest is plentiful. What does the harvest is plentiful mean? He means there is much fruit to be picked. There are many people who are ready to make a decision to come to know Jesus. Do you know that in three days in Mexico, we saw over 350 people make decisions to follow Jesus? I don't think you heard me. In in three days, we saw over 350 people make decisions to follow Jesus. What does that mean? It means the harvest is plentiful. That's what I found to be the truth in my life, is that when we're going out to the places where Jesus is sending us to go, the harvest is plentiful. Now, the very sad thing going on in the church in America is the average church is seeing one person come to know the Lord a year. One a year. Why? How can that be when Jesus says the harvest is plentiful? Maybe it's because our churches aren't doing what Jesus told us to do. And he's saying, now go. Go out. 
When you go where Jesus is going, you see what Jesus is seeing. Hashtag. When you go where Jesus is going, you're going to see what Jesus is seeing. And so he says the harvest is plentiful. Therefore, what? Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Now, this was really exciting for me. And this is just New Testament church life. We went down, over 500 of us, down into Mexico. We're on the streets. We're doing our, our drum lines. Our kids are passing out stickers and candy and drawing people in. We're doing the drama. We're preaching the gospel. We're praying for the sick. Many people are coming to know the Lord. But here's the very exciting thing. Live in Mexico to reap this massive harvest. That's so that's so exciting to me. God is saying this. Don't, don't just go, but when you're going, ask the Lord to send laborers in the harvest. I remember when we first came to San Diego to plant this church. And all of a sudden, so many people started coming to Christ. We were in City Heights. All these people are making decisions to follow Christ. And, and, and people would ask us, how's your church plant going? We're going, it's amazing. All these people coming to know Jesus. And they said, we prayed for you. We didn't know it was you, but we were asking God. To, that he would send more people to state campus. We were asking God to send more people into City Heights. You are an answer to our prayers. And we said, thank you for praying for us because we're loving reaping this harvest. We're reaping what you sowed in prayer. Church, the, the New Testament church is one who's always praying for more laborers to go into the harvest. And then these laborers get called out, and, or they sign up, right? I mean, in the military, the, the person who actually signs up and the person get, that gets drafted, they both work together, right? They're shoulder to shoulder. Some people get drafted in by God. Some people say, hey, choose me, Lord, right? They all get to play together. Now, the interesting thing is I've heard some different people talking to our team that's going on in Mexico, and they say, wow, you're actually moving to Mexico? Whoa, scary, man. They're like, wow, what, what, a, what a big sacrifice. And on one side, yeah, there's some sacrifices. But on the other side, Upton, you get to live in the midst of it? Like, I'm a little jealous. I don't know about you, but I'm like, you get to live down there, seeing that stuff happen all, all the time. God is giving the privilege of letting us send laborers into his harvest field, church. That's what the New Testament church is all about. They're on mission, Luke chapter 10. They're sending out laborers into the harvest field. Let's keep reading this. It says this. He's going to get real practical. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Super encouraging right there. <clears throat> Dude, but I'd rather be a lamb than a wolf, to be honest. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals. Do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter, first say peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking what they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move from house to house. He's, he's being really practical, giving us some, some clear guidelines of how to do this. But if you look down, this is, this is so, so powerful. Down a little later in the scripture, it says this, when you enter a town, verse 8, and you're welcomed, eat what's offered to you, verse 9, heal the sick who are there. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near. Let me ask you, does it say, hope that you heal the sick? Does it say... I hope you heal the sick. Does it say, try to heal the sick? No. Does it say, maybe you'll heal the sick? No, what does it say? 
What does it say? Uh, Jesus is telling his followers, he's commanding them, heal the sick. How could he give that command? I don't know if you've ever tried to heal someone. You're like, be healed. You know, it's, it's really hard. But Jesus is saying, as you're going on mission with me, the power of God is going to come upon you, and you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and then you'll be my witnesses. That's what Brian and Jenny said. They prayed for this guy on crutches. Boom, his feet are healed. All of a sudden, what happens? He opens his heart to come to Christ. Guys, miracles are to be ordinary in the Christian life. <laughs> I hope three of you that believe it. But let me... John chapter 14, if you'd flip over there with me, this is so interesting. Jesus is saying this, believe in me when I say I'm, I'm from the Father, or at least believe in the works themselves, or I love what the NIV 84 says, or at least believe in the evidence of the miracles themselves. Can we have that up? Go to the next, the next verse, please. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me, will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Guys, I, I have a real hard time believing the next part. We'll do even greater things than these. Go back. I, I, I'm just, I just want to see he who believes in me will do what I've been doing. Have you ever thought of what Jesus was doing? Wow. Like Jesus is laying hands on the leper, cleansed. He goes up to a demonized guy. He has a legion of demons. He casts them out. They go into a herd of pigs, and they go into the ocean, right? I mean, wow. He walks up to a dead person, lays hands on them. They're raised from the dead. To do what Jesus... I, I want to tell you, around the world, these things are happening. My first trip to Mexico was the first time I saw dramatic healings just breaking out everywhere. My first trip to Mexico was when we were seeing these, these different miracles, these different signs and wonders. And Jesus said, he who believes in me will do what I've been doing. Here's one of my favorite stories. It's popping in my head, so I've got to share with you. Hopefully my daughter will share it in the, next, in the next service. We're doing the drama at this orphanage. And while we're doing this, this drama... The, the drama's up on the stage. We're all sitting and watching it. And the song turns. It goes from the dark song to this light song. Starts singing about Jesus. Now, you've got to understand, the, this, this uh, orphanage had three-story walls around it. While we're doing this drama, this white dove goes and fl flies right in front of the drama. And everyone, you hear everyone, watch this dove go whoop and land on top of a building. I'm like, that's uncommon. Um, I know doves pretty well. I'm a dove hunter. And um, I don't shoot white doves, though. Uh, but I'm watching this dove, and then I'm watching the drama right here, and I'm going, that's pretty interesting. And then the, 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 the drama, if you've seen it, where the man is struggling with the white, with the white uh, cords on him, and, and then all of a sudden, it's Jesus, and he's there, and then Jesus uh, gets killed, and the curtain goes up. And, you know, the demons are like, ha, ha, I've got you. And they're pointing around. They're holding the curtain. And then the song shifts again. And it goes, there is a light that shines in the darkness. There is a light that shines in the darkness. Right when it goes, his name is Jesus. And if you don't believe me, you can ask the 80 other people on my team. Right at that point, the white dove flies from the third floor, flies right down in front of the curtain, flies and, and in midair goes, whoo, 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 
right in front of the curtain. And we are all going, oh my goodness. Like, do you see this? Brady Duke, who's this big Navy SEAL, turns around and looks and he says, everyone's just going like, ah, crying. <laughs> then the dove, it, so it stopped, hovers, and then flies back up. And you're like, what was that? And Brady gets up to preach the gospel and he's like, uh, we just obviously had a visitation of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> okay, why, why do I tell, maybe it was a total coincidence that a white dove flew in front of a curtain and hovered right there. Could be a total coincidence, but probably not. Why does, God, why does God love to demonstrate his power? Because he's saying this. He's saying, believe in me, or at least believe in the evidence of these miracles. It's a sign that makes you wonder, right? Signs and wonders. It's a sign that makes you go, oh my goodness, God is with them. You heard these miracle stories when we're throwing out God come to heaven with his power. So people, half of his people, he must be the same God as the God of the Bible. Like I spent my childhood reading these miraculous stories, but I just didn't expect any of them to happen, right? For me, church was just coming in a suit, sitting in a pew, and hearing about what God did in the past. But heaven forbid he'd do it again. Are you following me? L10 plus A2. Oh, i got to tell you one more thing from this really quick. Because there is a warning that Jesus says in here in Luke chapter 10. Wow, I just totally lost my notes. Matthew, Mark, Luke 10. He says this. The, the, the disciples come, verse 17. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord... Even the demons submit to us in your name. I, I, I love seeing people get so stoked. They've gone to Mexico. You, you heard Mike. He's like, this is unreal. This is amazing what God's doing. And, and, and listen to what Jesus says. Jesus goes, he replied, well, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I mean, that was probably a good day. I actually saw like the dragon fall from the sky. Good day. Then he goes on in verse 19, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Now here's the warning. We can get so into the spiritual war, into spiritual warfare, into like, I'm commanding the demons out, and so into that that we miss the whole point that it's all about Jesus. And it's all about spending eternity in heaven with him. And it's all about taking as many people there with us as possible. Like, that's a lot more exciting than kicking out a little demon, right? And that's what Jesus is saying. Watch this. It says, at, this is awesome. I love this verse. Verse 21. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, he said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and the least we just kicked out these demons, you know, and he's like, that's awesome. I saw, I saw Satan fall like lightning from the sky, and then all of a sudden he's like, he throws his head back, ha, 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 big belly laugh, huge grin, eyes squinting. He's like, ha, ha, I praise you, Father. I mean, we think of Jesus like, I praise you, Father. <laughs> no, that's not, that's not what this verse says. At that time, Jesus full of joy through the Holy Spirit. I just see him just putting his head back, you know, just going, ha, ha, I praise you, Father. 
Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, this is what you're pleased to do. We think as the church that the works of Jesus, highly intelligent, academically trained, Ph.D. theologian, and Jesus saying, no, this is for the little children who come to me with faith, believing that I'll do what I said I'll do. Luke 10. Then you, you mix in a little A2, which is Acts 2. I don't have much time to talk about it, but really quickly, if you put up Acts 2, 42 through 47, right here you got the mission of the church, and then you add it to the model, the community model in Acts 2. It says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer, everyone was filled with awe. Many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and gave to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily at some point to go on this trip with us because I, I see so many people that come back and go, I love being with the church. Why? Because they're devoting themselves to fellowship. They're like, my life, the passing trance of the, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They started grounding themselves in the authority of Scripture. I just want to say that so many in the body of Christ, they're moving away from the authority of Scripture and just saying, okay, how do we make our church culturally relevant? So if this is okay in the then let's just shift a here and say this is okay in the church. God, that's absolutely a travesty. When we the Bible, wrong belief in the Word of God, then you have a strong church. We don't judge Scripture. Scripture judges us. This book is true, and I look at my life and say, how am I not lining up, and I want to get in line. And so what the New Testament church was doing is they said, we put Scripture, we put that teaching up here, and we get under it. And you know what happens? All of a sudden, you get a focused people, and you get people of faith. And people of trust and people of power. And then they devote, they're devoted to fellowship. They're like, hey, it's not just about me and who I like and who I dislike. I'm going to let the agape love, the unconditional love of God flow through me. And I'm going to actually be able to love people that aren't like me and that are different than me. But all of a sudden it's this unconditional love. And it doesn't just say that they devoted themselves to teaching and to fellowship but also to prayer. And many people say, man, I, I've never prayed like I prayed before I went down to Mexico. I mean, we did a five-day fast before start to set aside at least a higher desires to full study and in prayer. And then you're like, whew, I made it through that. And then you walk into the big team meeting and we're like, let's pray. And we're all calling out and praying at the end of it. Let's pray for our outreaches. And then we're praying. And then we get on the bus and we're like, let's pray as we go. And people are like, oh my gosh, I've been praying this whole time. We get in the park. Let's pray over this park. And then we preach the gospel. Let's pray over these people. They're just prayer, 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 prayer. And it's like we're just shooting Holy Spirit grenades into the enemy's camp. That's what prayer is. See, so many of us think that prayer is some real ritual, right? They were just, oh, da, 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 you know, kind of, no, that's not prayer. <laughs> prayer is warfare into the enemy's camp. And prayer is bringing the presence of God into the earth, on earth as it is in heaven as Jesus taught us to pray. And so we change the atmosphere through prayer. First, we change the atmosphere of our lives, and then we change the atmosphere around us. But it doesn't even stop there. It says they devoted themselves to breaking of bread. 
they like to eat. And so do I. And, and, and you, know, you know who you eat with in life? It's the people you love. That's, that's who you eat You eat fasting birthday party. <laughs> we, we eat with, with, with our friends and our family, and you grow close to people. It's interesting. Years ago, there was this very successful evangelistic small group campaign that came out of London called the Alpha Course. Some of you have heard of it. It would start with a meal, and then they'd move into this biblical discussion. All these people actually take some work. Let's cut out the meal. Maybe we can have more groups. They cut out the meal. All of a sudden, the numbers of people coming to Christ were cut in half. What is it? They realized that breaking bread together knits our hearts together. That breaking bread together puts us on the same level playing field. If you want to get to be friends with someone, then go share a meal with them. There's something powerful, there's something beautiful about sharing our food together. So on this trip, here we are devoted to the apostles' teaching, we're praying together, we're devoted to fellowship, we're eating together, and then what happens? It says many miracles and signs were happening, they were sharing their possessions. I loved watching people sacrifice to help other people go on this trip. I loved watching people give things away on this trip. I mean, when God starts getting a hold of our heart, even our wallets seem to get saved. Right? Even our finances are affected. And that starts spilling forth to meeting the needs around us. And then what happens? It says this. Daily, people were being added to their... The church who irresistible. The church is irresistible. And so what do you get? You get Luke 10 plus Acts 2 equals Revelation. All of Scripture says this. After this, I looked... And there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation. Say every nation. Every nation, nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Who is the Lamb? It's Jesus. Jesus is on his throne. And every nation is gathered before him. They were wearing white robes. What does that mean? It means they've been cleansed. They've been saved. They've been forgiven. They're wearing, they're holding palm branches. That signifies victory. That God has been victorious in their lives. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. When the church starts walking in its New Testament mission, when the church starts to out its New Testament model, then what's the result? The result is every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue gathered before the throne of Jesus saying, you're worthy. You who were slain to receive glory, honor, power, and dominion. This is when the church starts being the church. It's no longer a few songs and a little sermon and then go out and get some fried chicken. It's no longer about that anymore. What it's about is becoming a transformation agent. Here, the church is deployed. Here, the church is unified. And here, the church is glorified. And it becomes the bride of Christ. This is what it's all about. This is where all of human history is heading. And what an honor we have to be chosen to walk on the front lines of human history. Why don't you stand up? You guys excited to be the church today? You were taught with a pride to speak.
Your life matters to God. He has a calling for you. He wants to use you individually, and he wants to use us as a corporate family to transform this area. This is to transform the city. He wants us to transform many this region. This is to transform the state and, and to join with many others. We commission for, and he doesn't want to just stop with our nation. As much as I love the United States, he wants us to spill into all other 195 sovereign nations. Know that and mission church. Do you know that you have a great calling? Do you know there's a purpose for your life? It's so much bigger than the next cup of coffee. Mission and occupation that this world has ever known. God wants to do it in you and through you. We celebrate what God did last weekend, but I want to tell you it's just the beginning. We've launched a campus in Mexico. Praise God. We'll be heading down there today at 5 to have our second service of all people's Tijuana. We're stoked about that. Be sowing it in prayer, but that's just the beginning of what God wants to do through this spiritual family. Let's just pray together. God, all over this room, I'm asking that you strengthen hearts. You are doing amazing things. You changed lives on this trip. Lord, you're changing lives through your community, the church. And I pray this morning that we would have that, that, that understanding of how great the work you called us to truly is. And Lord, I also pray for anyone in this room that's not sure that they have a relationship with you or they maybe like Mike, they said, man, I, I haven't been close to God and now I, I want to just come and give him my full life. If that's you today, you're saying, I, I need to nail it down. I need to commit my life to Jesus Christ. Or you're saying, man, I, I, I need to come back to him. I want to just pray with you right now. Jesus died on the cross to forgive your sins and to pay the price that you could never pay. And he rose from the dead, defeating the power of sin and death so that sin no longer can keep you in slavery. By calling out be saved, your name will be written in the Lamb's book of life. You will go to heaven and spend eternity with him. If you need to commit your life to Jesus today, I invite you to just pray this right after me. You just say this, all sincerity of heart, to say, Jesus, I invite you into my heart to be my Lord and Savior. Turn from my old life. I'll follow you alone. Fill me with your whole one is just praying and has their eyes closed. If you prayed that prayer, I just want to pray for you right now. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I just want you to look up at me and, and wave so I can know that's you. It's just between me and you. But just wave at me so I can pray for you right now. Just make eye contact with me. Just give me a little wave all over this room so I can know that's you. Anyone else? Great. Anyone else? Okay, I see you back there. Anyone else? Okay. Let's just give a hand to the Lord for what he's doing today. Lord Jesus, I, I pray for these ones that are giving you their life today. We celebrate that today is their spiritual birthday, that as far as the east is from the west, you've removed their transgressions from them. And Lord, thank you that their names are now written in heaven. Healing in your body today, if you were one of the ones that was just praying and asking God to come into your heart, I'd invite you to come down as well. Or if you need a breakthrough, some kind of 
of help from Jesus. Don't leave this place without having someone pray over you. We'll sing one last short song. You come now as you have need. You come now as you need prayer. Whatever it is, we want to pray for you really quickly before we end the service.